We are continuing on in the book of Philippians, uh, a book written by the Apostle, uh, the Apostle Paul. We started off in, uh, in week one looking how he started this very unlikely church. Uh, he was on a missionary journey, and, and the first few converts were like people that you would, you would never expect, but he erupted a church. And he's writing after them with a great deal of passion. And in week one, we said the right kind of love knows the right kind of passion. And then we challenged our people to start raising $90,000 by, uh, by the end of April uh, to help us plant campuses and start, start a cafe. Little did we know uh, what would happen in society at that moment. But that was our challenge, to say, like, hey, we have a passion for our community. Let's take this to other communities. And then in week two, Jordan preached his heart out. And he said, he said, don't let the prison block your vision. How many of us right now are viewing right now, looking at this, feeling like you've been stuck for a week inside of a prison that is your house? You've been making decisions, and everybody right now has an opinion, and so you feel like you're in a prison. How do we move forward in the mission? Jordan challenged us to take the next step in talking to someone about Jesus. The harvest is there. Are we willing to move forward. Last week we, we finished up chapter 1 and, and I said that the gospel demands resolve. That society, society is going through something. Culture is going through something. And it's time to live with resolve to push the gospel forward and not take a back seat and say, hey, the mission can take a break. No, live with gospel resolve. And I challenged us to cultivate care over fear. So if you tuned in last week, are there more people fearful in society because of their interactions with you? Or have you cultivated care and love because that comes from our God? So that's where we've been. And now, where are we going? Before I get to that place, let me, let me pray. God, this room is and feels empty. And as I was worshiping, Father, you reminded me that that's how so many people right now watching feel empty. So, Father, I pray that you fill this space. Father, I pray that the same passion, the same charisma, the same, the same motivation, Father, that, that this would be no different because if, if there's only an audience of one, my God, that's enough. So, Lord, fill this space. And through filling this space, would you bring hope to the people watching? Lord, those that are, are feel empty right now, in the coming moments, would that feeling go away? Subtly go away as your spirit overflows us. Father, I pray that you would bring hope to people and direction to people right now lacking such things. In your powerful name, Jesus, amen. Now you're viewing in, and I know you're, what you're saying to yourself, Jason, you look different. Uh, and it's not because the camera adds 10 pounds. Uh, it's not because, yes, I've gained 4 pounds in the last week. I stress eat. Okay, it's not because of those things. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was like, hey, my eyes are getting a little blurry. I'm looking at things, and I'm like, it's not so crisp. Uh, and so I go, I get to America's Best, I get an eye exam, and they're like, yeah, your eyes are like footballs, you have stigmatism, you need glasses. And I was like, 
great, that's a really fun call to my wife, uh, who will just ruthlessly make fun of me. Uh, she did. That was great. And uh, so I got my glasses, and uh, two weeks later, I, I got two pairs of glasses. So while I was there, uh, I've, this is new to me. I've never had glasses before. Like, this is, I had fake glasses in college because I was trying to look cool and smart, they, but they were fake. Uh, but now I actually need glasses, and, and so there I am. I, I'm there with the, the, the salesperson at, at America's Best, and, and she's just handing me glasses after glasses. And so here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm taking my glasses, and... I'm just, she's handing me them, and I'm putting them on. Then there's, then there's the next pair, and I'm, and I'm putting them on. And then there's the next pair, and I'm, and I'm putting them on. And I was like, man, these two look great. I liked these two pairs of glasses. And so I said, okay, those are the glasses. Two weeks later, they come in. And so I've been rocking these glasses because, well, this pair actually kind of embarrasses me. As I took them out of the box, as I looked at these glasses, because I was rushed and I was just kind of looking at my face in the, in the mirror, all of a sudden, uh, now that I have them physically on me, I looked at them and there was an endorsement on the side of the glasses. An endorsement that, that now I live with my college buddy, and he's in my fantasy football league, so all the stereotypes of having a college buddy in your fantasy football, like they're all true in my circle. Uh, and then my wife, uh, I had to tell her uh, to both my college buddy and and, and, and my wife, that, that I bought tap-out glasses. Now, if you're familiar with tap-out, you don't think tap-out and Jason Kobach in the same sentence. <laughs> and so my buddy, he, 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 he Googled the founders of tap-out and said, this is who you look like right now when you wear those glasses. Uh, and so tap-out's great. If you're, if you're into tap-out, great. You could probably kill me, so I'm not trying to make fun of you. Uh, but, but the real reality is, is like, this is not something that I am like. And, and so in something being new to me, I made a mistake. I think I killed it with these glasses, but, it, but with something being new, I, I made a mistake here. Uh, I, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't know any better, perhaps. I just, I just went with what I thought was best. Can you relate to that right now? This is all new to us. Society has been turned upside down. There is not a single expert on the planet that can look back on experience and say, hey, we've been here, we should do this. And this is new to all of us. And so we're fumbling through it. I think as, as this is new to all of us, as we fumble through, I think pride is working its way through society. Pride is increasing as, as people hide behind a computer screen, typing away all they want to type, saying things on a computer screen or a phone that they would never say otherwise. They would never say it to your face, but because their, their, their fingers have power, they're communicating things like, you know what, my needs are bigger than your needs. I don't value your needs. My info, my Google search has turned up this. My info is better than your info, so you're wrong. I am right. You know the people that know how to fix this whole situation? Have you, have you been there online? Like, like, they have an opinion, but their opinion is right. Your opinion is wrong. We're assuming things about people's tone. We're assuming things about, about even their spiritual condition. They might have posted a status with 15 words in it, and now we've assumed something about their whole complete spiritual condition. Oh, you're living by the government mandate? Well, here, I'm taking it to another extreme. I'm doing this. Just because you're abiding by the laws of the land, you're an idiot. You should be doing this. Do you see how pride is coming through all of this? 
pride is hitting me, I've lost empathy. Pride is hitting me where I'm like, I'm done with everybody's opinion. I'm going to do me. That's pride. What I want us to see today is that there is no room for pride in the Christian walk with Jesus Christ. That, that by nature, we are prideful people. By nature, we, we, we don't want to seek after humility. If we're seeking after humility, here's what we get to the point where we're like, hey, I can be humble till this point, but when it's really going to start to cost me, there's a limit to my humility. I'm going to be humble here, but not so much beyond that. We put a limit on it. Well, what I want us to see is that Christ was humble. Christ exemplified this. And Christ was humble enough to give his entire life. There is no end to humility. So Paul says this at the start of chapter 2 in the book of Philippians. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Paul's the mentor. He's saying, you want to respect your mentor? Guess what? Have the same love, the same type of conduct. Be unified in your mindset. Be unified in the mission forward. As life is crazy for the early church, here's how you can respect me. Here's how you can bring me joy as I am in prison. Go about this the right way. Do nothing. If you're going to go about it the right way, here's what you do. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We planned this sermon a year ago to be preached this very day. Do you think what's happening on, going on in society? Think about the timeliness. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit needed. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves needed. Look out to, not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others needed. Paul says a whole bunch of qualifying things and says, make my joy complete. If you're going to make my joy complete, here's the motivation and here's the result to bringing Paul joy. It will result in not being selfish or conceited. Those two things go hand in hand. Why do they go hand in hand? Because instead, here's what humility is. It looks out for the interests of others. Now, Paul never commands you, commands us to not look out for ourselves, but don't look out for yourself to the exclusion of others. You see people doing that right now. I'm going to do me. Screw everybody else. There's nothing humble about that. That is conceited and selfish ambition. Being of the same mind, as Paul talks about, does not mean that we agree on everything. You might use a different translation of the Bible. You might do something different while you're quarantined. You might do something different with regards to how we're responding to this crisis. But here's what we're going to be united in. Here, he says, keep the main thing the main thing. You're still on mission. You're still moving forward. With common mission, we don't, we don't squabble about non-mission critical items. There's a whole lot of squabble, squabbling going on right now. What's your job? What's my job? This is one of our first shirts that we wore uh, back in the day as a church. Crave Jesus, relentless love. Nothing about what's happening in society has changed this. We're going to stay mission focused. We're going to be united in that. <laughs> Me, I, I've, I've said this now a little bit even already here today. I'm selfish. And this passage convicts me because as life gets stressful, 
my broken nature is that when I'm stressed, when I'm tired, when I'm, when I'm physically uh, at my wit's end, I get selfish. I have a focus on myself. I see myself in conversation when others are telling a story. I see myself butting in with my experiences, how I, what I've experienced, like very similarly, similarly trying to what up or trying to, to relate. And I see it after the conversation, I'm like, oh my gosh, you idiot. You took the focus off of another person and you put it on yourself, you selfish jerk. And, and then I'm saying things like, oh, I just can't or I just need. I find myself saying those things where, where I'm brought to my limit and I'm saying, well, I can't do this thing. I just, I don't have it in me. Or saying things to my wife like, I just need, I just need some little, I just need some guy time. I just need some me time. And I'm saying those things and then all of a sudden, life, another order comes out. Another executive order. Another interview. Another announcement comes out. And all of a sudden, where I thought I just can't, now I have to. I really wasn't at my limit. But me, in my selfishness, I'm saying things of this nature. And while I go to prayer in the morning, I'm remembering conversations I had the day before. And I'm being so much, I'm being so broken down in prayer. Jason, you're being so selfish. My desire is humility. But in my time of confession, every single morning, I feel like I'm incapable of it. Have you been there? And so our big thought for the day, our big thought for this moment is that Christ proved the capability for humility. Humility is possible for every person in this room. Humility is possible for every single person that is viewing this. Why? Because Christ proved it. So in these coming verses, Paul shows us two reasons why Christ should inspire humility within us. First, if Christ proved the capability for humility, it's inspired by his example. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This mind comes from who? Christ. Who? Though he was in the form of God. That's why you'll hear in churches, fully God, fully man. When Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin, he was fully God and fully man. He wasn't a created being. You don't create God. God's always been. Jesus has always been. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Being ta by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and found, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is an uncommon relationship. We celebrate, we value as a church uncommon relationships. We say out, out of the church, uh, out of the box. We don't want to be boxed into one way of doing church. We don't want to be boxed in. Society did it, does a favor. We are not boxed in at all anymore. But for us, so now we have to think of new creative ways to establish relationships. New creative ways to, to build a relationship with those watching. How do we build that relationship? Well, now we have to get creative. And why do we have to get creative? Because that's the example set before us by God Almighty. Holy God. Unholy mankind. Incapable of doing anything about it. Holy God, proving to be capable, proving to look at incapable, unholy man and saying, I want you. And so he forms the most uncommon relationship you and I could ever know. Holy God with unholy us. That's our inspired example. That's our mindset. Fully God, but he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't count equality with God a thing to grasp. 
He didn't, he didn't play the God card. He could have. He said, no, I'm going to go to earth. The cruddiness of earth. I'll be fully God. I'll be fully divine. But I'll be fully man in all of their dirt. And we want to say things to God like he's a good person. Like he's a prophet. He's a fine example of a human being. No. As fully God and fully man, he veiled his deity, but he did not void his deity. The mindset that I have of God is that he did not consider being God, being, being God as grounds for getting, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to walk this earth, and I'm going to get mine. No, as fully God, he walked this earth with this attitude. I'm going to give. I'm going to give. I'm going to do. I'm going to love. I'm going to fix. That was his attitude. He lived open-handedly showing us what benevolent generosity and service looks like. The example of Jesus was that he wasn't grasping for position. He was grasping for obedience. The situation didn't change that. Oh, you know what? Because of the situation, I'm going to do me now. I'm going to be disobedient. No. He maintained it. To what extent was Jesus willing to go to be obedient? To death. To death. Dying in the most heinous of ways between two people that were criminals, true criminals. So in his death, onlookers would assume Jesus was just like them. And he associated, and that is how Jesus came to rescue you and I. So in this moment, we reflect on the person. We reflect on the, on, on the work of Jesus Christ. And that allows us to inform our minds, to invade our hearts. And, it, and then his Holy Spirit, through the power of his Holy Spirit, it transforms our lives. And so as I was preparing for this, I thought a great way of, of going about it was to get on, get on social media and find a terrible example of somebody not, not, not living like Jesus. That's easy to do. You can get on social media right now and find one of those examples. But as I did this, one of the ladies in my life group had just posted something super encouraging me. Encouraging. And it, and it blew my mind because I was like, I was expecting the negative, and I found the positive right away. I want to read what she wrote. It's a little long, but, but it's encouraging, and we can all relate to this. She writes this. With permission, I share this. Literally, down to our last roll of teepee and two rolls of paper towels, uh, as of last night, any it can relate... After going to multiple stores with no success, I was starting to think that it was, it was a possibility that I may not find it. We tried one last time at Walmart, and we were able to find a few single packages of wipes, but I didn't feel right taking that from, the, from moms that actually need it for their kids, so we just went home. Today, I tried again at Target with the same results, completely empty shelves. I was far from panicking because I know I can trust God, and He will supply our needs. Remember that song we sang going into the sermon? However, I can't say that it wasn't frustrating. When, when, you're, when you're not trying to hoard, but you're simply trying to purchase a normal amount of basic supplies for your home. Well, late, late tonight, I ran into ShopRite and found not only one smaller package, but also one large package of teepee. Along with an average size of paper towels. And just like that, our needs were more than met. And as we were on in line checking out, a man entered our line behind us inquiring where we found the teepee. After being courteous enough to walk to, well, with him to the back of the store to show him where we found it, hoping to find another, we were unable to help. 
We had found ours out of place, but an end cap where it didn't belong. So as we walked back up to the line, my husband was now waiting for me, and we were looking at each other uh, and the two packages in our, in our cart with the same thought in mind. We had found more than we needed because we were supposed to bless someone else. So we waited as a man paid for his few items, and as he finished, we handed him the second package, free of charge, along with a God Loves You card from Wellspring. Woo! This is not to brag or to receive a pat on the back. This is to encourage others with this example. What it means to not be selfish during a time like this. We could have easily left, uh, left and had been happy with a little extra. But we had plenty when others had none. And that's what was the, has been most frustrating to watch everyone doing throughout the last week. So I encourage others. If I have given the opportunity to help someone else, don't pass it up. Do it. I haven't felt very loving towards others lately at all, but tonight God provided us an opportunity to live out His love, and I thank God. Even though through my recent grumpy, grumpiness, we were able to recognize, listen, and be obedient in the moment. And I gotta say, seeing this man smile while perplexed, asking, why are you doing this? Am I on TV or something? Definitely helped fix the whole non-loving feeling that I had a little bit. You and I have a choice to make every single day for the time upcoming. How are you going to utilize social media? We're in this for a handful of weeks, at least probably eight weeks, and so you're going to have a daily choice to make. What are you going to do? Jesus left heaven to go where? Here. Here. He had a daily choice to stay on mission. You know what's true about the mission of the church? It's not situational. The mission of the church is not situational, it's eternal. So no matter what's going on around us, the mission of the church remains the same. It is not situational, it is eternal. So everything that we experience is our ability to be on mission. And so do we choose humility? Because as I read the scriptures, Pilate didn't humble Jesus. The Romans didn't humble Jesus. The Jews didn't humble Jesus. Jesus humbled himself. You don't humble Jesus. You don't stand over Jesus and say, I'm going to humble you now. No, Jesus stands over you. Leading by example. So what choice are you going to make by his inspired example? Are you going to choose to love or are you going to choose to be selfish? Are you going to choose to share or not to share? You have a choice in how you go about this. Choose wisely. Because your choice is greater impact than you might think. It's an act of worship. Here's where Jesus, here's where Paul now goes. You have, you have, you have the in, inspired example, but now you have the inspired outcome. We, we are capable of being humble. Here's the inspired outcome. Therefore God was highly exalted, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that in the name of Jesus, so at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The end result, when you go about it God's way, he brings the exaltation. God exalts. Jesus goes about this the right way. And the end result is that every knee will bow. Meaning Jesus is super elevated. Meaning that Jesus is in a class all by him. 
itself. And millions upon millions will give him praise. As believers, that means you and I know the king of glory. Everyone will bow with, not everyone who knows Jesus will bow with great joy and humility. But there are others that will bow in anguish and despair. You and I have a moment in this life to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, to acknowledge his rule, to acknowledge his power. The choice is yours now. How we handle, if you call on Jesus, uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior, every single day, every single moment, you have an opportunity to bow your knee in worship. On Monday, I met with our staff. And while we were meeting as a staff, we got wind that, that restaurants and casinos and gyms were closed. And I was like, great. Now we're all going to be fat and pregnant. And uh, I had this attitude about me. I was like, okay, I kind of like the curfew, even though the curfew turned, cur curfew turned out to be fake. I was like, hey, if the curfew is at 8, that's my bedtime. So, hey, we're good there. But the other things, I was like, I can't do the gym. Like, I all of a sudden had jokes. And later on in the day, I, I called my gym, Retro Fitness, and said, hey, are you guys, like, really close? Is this, like, for real a thing? And they're like, yeah, we are close. And then I caught myself getting on social media and typing out a status saying, this must be because of that jerk that doesn't clean his machines. <laughs> and, then it, and then it hit me, I'm a jerk. Because in the course of my day, I never thought to pray about those out of work. I never thought to, to pray for those that medically really do need a gym. I only thought about myself. It's just that I didn't really think. Because for me, if I, if I chose to think, if I get fat and lazy, it's because I'm fat and lazy. I, I have the choice. I don't need a gym to eat less and go for a run. I don't need a gym for that. I can still do that. At the end of the day, I'm going to be okay. But in that moment, I had an opportunity to pray for people, to humble myself, not think of myself, and give time over to pray for people. So now every time I'm feeling like going to the gym, guess what happens? Every time I have that urge to wake up in the morning and go to the gym, now I have a built-in trigger to pray for people out of work. So what is missing in your life? What has society taken out of your routine? You're going to be all sorts of triggered in the weeks to come. Perhaps it's time to give God praise, an inspired outcome, that we would give praise to God in this moment by humbling ourselves and praying for others. And so for me, there's this guy at the gym. For you, there might be somebody that's really made you mad over the last few weeks. You can praise God for that person that makes you mad. Here's something that, that I, I read in a commentary. I want you to think about this for a second. Following Christ's example, and by the Holy Spirit, Spirit's enablement, I will reject self-seeking glory and vain pride, and I will strive to humbly regard said person as more important than myself, rather than constantly looking out for my own interests, I will also look out for the interests of said person. Think about that statement. Who's making you mad right now? It might be Governor Murphy. It might be Donald Trump. It might be me. It might be X, Y, Z. Are you willing to put their name in that slot? count their interests as more important, or not necessarily even more important, but to just give thought to their interests, to ask why are they making a decision, or why are they doing, like not, not assume you know better, 
to ask a question of why. So you know the what, you know the who, and now will you pray? Will you move forward with humility and not just say, you know what, if they come my way, I'll be nice to them. No! Now it's time to worship Jesus by humbling yourself and doing, looking for opportunities, finding ways to love them. So what did we say? We said that Christ proved the capability for humility. We, we saw, that, we saw his, his inspired example, and we, saw, we see the inspired outcome. Now in that verse that I read, uh, you, 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 could, you could take that uh, probably different ways, but in the course of Scripture, with, with every knee bowing, you have a choice. You have a choice right now. Because when I look at the whole, well, the whole Scripture, heaven is not going to be filled with every single man, woman, and child. Heaven will be filled with the men and women and children that, that bowed their knee to God's lordship here on earth. When I think about 2 Corinthians 5, it says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, God's going to look at certain people on this earth as righteous and certain people as not. You know who he's going to look at as righteous? God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Christ's example is that he came to earth and was obedient to death. Why? Because the perfect God, through Jesus Christ, walked this earth and never sinned. Do you know what that means? He never had to die. The penalty of death, the penalty of sin was not over him. He chose to die. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It was a choice. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. God took the sin of mankind and put it on Jesus. And when we bow our knee, saying, I believe that you died and that you rose again, that you took my penalty, the righteousness of God, the perfection of Jesus, becomes my perfection. And so you have a choice. And that choice will not only impact your eternity, but your eternity starts now, and it will impact how you view everything going on in life right now. I would hate... To have to walk through life right now without Jesus. Because what Hebrews says is that Jesus is the anchor for my soul. Right now, life is all over the place. But as a Christian, I'm anchored to Jesus. Through the hurricane, I'm anchored. I would hate to be not anchored. What choice will you make? I'm going to invite you to pray. And make that choice right now. And like we said last week, if you make that choice today to follow Jesus, I don't necessarily know how we're going to do it, but I'm going to struggle in finding out how. We will send you a Bible. We will send you a packet of information about what it means to follow Jesus. And if that's you, you want to put your faith in Jesus right now because you're looking at his example and saying, I want that. In the quietness of your home, even maybe in front of your kids, pray something like this. Dear God, I have not been perfect. I look at this past week and everything going on in life, and it's just, it's obvious I have not been perfect. I, like the pastor, struggle with pride. And Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that God had to send you to the earth. I'm sorry that my sin put you on the cross. But in this life, I choose to believe. 
I do believe that you took my sin. You buried it in that grave and then you rose again three days later and that in you I have life. I believe it and I confess it. I give you my life, Jesus. Be my anchor for, for through the storm in all of that's going on and for all of eternity. Be my anchor. In your name, Jesus, amen. If you prayed that, put it in a comment, get me your address, and we will get you a Bible and more information. So now we have the greatest example in all the world in Jesus. No better example of humility. So perhaps the best thing that you can do in our culture right now is guard your reactions. Grow in humility. And so if Jesus is the best example, then, then guess what? We have to study the example of Jesus. We have to know the example of Jesus. We have to pursue that. Pursue that. So we value endless growth. That's why we named this series Endless Growth. Society gave us a nice fat pitch to hit a home run with as we grow in humility, as we grow in our pursuit of endless growth, saying, you know what? I ain't perfect, but I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be a little bit more perfect. I'm going to wake up the next day and be a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and I'm going to pursue that every single day. Society has given us an opportunity to pursue endless growth. How will you pursue it? A few weeks ago when I had, uh, had my life group, the ladies were talking about choosing joy. Ava was, was talking about choosing joy, and it inspired a few of the, few of the other ladies. And, uh, and, and when they woke up, uh, Ava, Ava had, had, had um, woken up, and she had found this, this, this uh, status that said, choose joy, make today a great day. They saw it in my wife, and then they, and then they started sharing this and, and tagging people, and they, they woke up, and they were like, I'm going to choose joy today. My wife woke up, and, and, and most of her days she wakes up, and she just gets right into the Word. Some days I look over and her face is glowing with her cell phone, but most days she, she wakes up and she gets right in the Word. And, and that day was just like that. She got up, she got into the Word of God, and then later on she got onto social media and she saw that she was tagged in something positive. Choose today, choose joy today, make the choice for joy. And it made her whole day better. She, she texted me, and then later when I got she's like, I, I had such a productive day. And she was filled with such joy. And you know what? I think it started because she went into the Word, then found something encouraging, and then made that choice throughout her day. That's how she started her day. And so, with that example in mind, I think my wife, she, she got her face into the book before going to Facebook. <laughs> she was all about Insta-Jesus instead of Instagram. She didn't read the tweet before finding Jesus so sweet. And she didn't go to TikTok while Jesus was saying, knock, knock. Now, normally I'm used to people laughing in the room. Uh, and so if you guys could just go online and hit ha, 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 I would appreciate that. I'll go back and read that. But, but I digress. Here's my challenge for you and I this, this day. My challenge to you is to pick up your Bible before your phone. As we read the example of Jesus Christ, we need to do just that. Read the example. So my challenge to you, maybe you need to delete social media for a few weeks. But if that's too extreme, pick up the Bible before social media. And I know that is hard. And so for some of you, you're like, well, my, my Bible is my alarm clock. Well, on Tuesday's time, Amazon can ship you a new alarm clock. You can get a new one. That's not an excuse. You can get a Bible. You can get a Bible and you're like, hey, the Bible's on my phone. Well, you can get a Bible that actually has pages and turns. 
you can turn off your Bible apps. There's a, I think there's a video that I might be showing how you can turn off all your social media apps and make your Bible the only working app when you wake up so that when you get up and you get on your phone, the only app that you can go to is the Bible app. You can sleep all of your other apps. So if you're going to get into God's Word, here are, here are just a few suggestions to do with your time. A few suggestions of this. Do a 20-day reading Easter reading plan. Easter's coming. So there's a 20-day reading plan on the Bible app. The Version Bible app. Do that reading plan. Go to the Gospel of John. Go to the book of Acts. With every series, we send out a reading plan. Do that reading plan. I think over the next eight weeks, we have an opportunity to put healthy practices in our morning into play. I think we'll guide our day-to-day -day interactions during the day. We're going to sing a song now that, that talks about being a walking, talking, living, breathing testimony. This song is, is going to talk about that my God is on the move, and we get to be a part of it. My God is on the move, despite what's going on in society. Will you be a part of it? The choice is made every single day to choose. I'm going to be a walking, talking, living, breathing testimony. Will you choose that every single day from here on out? So we're going to pause. We'll let you think about that, and then we're going to go into that song.